Hello, everyone, and Happy New Year. Welcome to this week's episode of Fandoms, Culture, and Perhaps a Few Murders, where we discuss exactly that, Fandoms, Culture, and Perhaps a Few Murders. I'm your host, Spade, and with me, as always, is Al. Hey, yo. And Feline. Hello. The topic of discussion is 2022, a year in review of weird and perhaps odd headlines. So let's get to the first one. Alrighty, so... Christmas just passed by. I hope everyone had a good one. Yeah. But in relation, thousands of patients at a British medical clinic received a text sent by the clinic itself, informing all of the patients that they had, quote, an aggressive form of lung cancer. (laughs) The message even asked for a DS-1500 form to be completed, a form which is specifically for those labeled as having terminal illnesses. And the text was ended with a simple thanks at the end. Understandably, many were distraught over the news with many breaking down into tears and or trying and failing to contact the clinic to get some answers. Only for a message an hour later to inform them that they had, that the previous message had actually been an error and what they had meant to send was have a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. And they haven't commented further on that mistake, but it's just really fucking funny. It's fucked up too, though. Yeah, so fucked up. It's so fucked up. That reminds me of wasn't it Hawaii that had like a record had a had a warning sent out to everybody in Hawaii that missiles were on the way or some shit. I remember that, but I don't remember where it was. I think it was Hawaii. I just remember when, and I feel like it was last year. But this year felt so long. It could have been this year. <laughs> Um, but yeah, dude, imagine like getting that your life is like, cause that's like this fucking, that's crazy. Both situations. This it's, it's a long, like painful, dramatic, heartbreaking experience and you're getting hit with it. And then afterwards it's like, thanks. Bye. <laughs> Essentially. But also my thing is like, how the hell it's a baffling notion. How the hell did you accidentally send that? Instead of Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. I like it's a pre-recorded button prompt and somebody just fucked up the thing. And sent it to everyone? But like, like, how do you get those numbers mixed up though? Like, how far off are they? Like, one is cancer and two is, like, the best number on the back, on the tail end, should not be such a drastic difference in messages. What was worse, even, is the fact that when they try to get in contact with them, nobody could, would pick up. So it's like you're here just hanging on, hanging on a precipice wondering, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. Yeah, there is like people who are literally saying like I had just visited for like a, something small. And then all of a sudden I'm being told I have lung cancer and then I have to fill out a terminal form. Only in, in the next hour, it's like Merry Christmas instead. That's so fucked, man. <laughs> And, like, the fact that they didn't message the correction didn't get sent for an hour, that means they were sitting in that for an hour. God, stewing in that for just five minutes alone is absolutely tortured. It's daunting. Oh, my God. Now, back in February, the California court ruled that bumblebees are fish. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Biologically, we know that they aren't, obviously. And the court noted such. However, they decided that they can be classified as an invertebrate giving protection under the California Endangered Species Act. 
The Department of the Commission notes that the technical definition in Section 45 says that in the state's game code, it includes mollusks, invertebrates, amphibians, and crustaceans that encompass terrestrial and aquatic species. So by virtue of the language in the section of that code, the court decided that the commission had the authority to list invertebrates on the endangered list. So seeing as with one and out of every three bites of food that we eat come from a crop that has been pollinated by bees, this is a very critical ruling to protect not only our food safety, but those that, oh, well, the food supply rather, but also those who apparently, as we've heard over and over again, bees pollinating things is very helpful to us. And it seems that with bees for some reason disappearing in places around the globe, I guess that even a minor classification under a different species, anything that helps, you know what I mean? I was going to say, like, the fact that they would have to pull something like that in order to protect them when Save the Bees is literally its own tagline that people use is kind of ridiculous because that tagline's there because of the fact that pollination is very important to our own survival, let alone the bees themselves. Oh, yeah, I like that. That's a slick way of getting them under the wire. I thought it was going to be some silly shit, but it's like, nah, we're doing this to protect them. It's like, work, save the bees. Save all the bees. I feel like having to have to put all that red tape just to get animals protected is dumb. I mean, I'm not like a crazy animal lover, you know? Y'all, you all know me in my real world. I'm not a huge animal lover. But I'm also not like, we need bees. We The animals that we need, we need. You know what I'm saying? I don't understand why that has to be red tape. Save the motherfuckers. What the hell? <laughs> I think that this is one of those rare cases where... A technicality works in favor as opposed to the other way, which it most commonly happens. You know what I mean? Yes. Right. And also, like, I'm not, like, going to tie myself to a tree or anything for this. I'm not that level of activist or anything. But at the same time, I am really tired of the narrative. When you think about how many animals that existed when you were probably born versus how many are left now, it is daunting. It is kind of upsetting to think about how directly we are responsible for the extinction of so many species and not for anything crazy either outside of just sheer ignorance you know we're absolutely trashing our environment and the problem is is us humans are more adaptable or one of the most adaptable species on the planet outside of like cockroaches so like and with that in mind, we're going to adapt to whatever we create ourselves until there's nothing left to adapt to. And that's what our problem is. You know, again, not going super tree hugger mode, but we're just super adaptable and we're just going to keep changing our surroundings around us until all the resources are gone. And then, you know, adapt to no longer resources. And so, you know, welcome to Thunderdome, bitch. <laughs> all right. My next story is a pretty short one, but it, I think it's notably bizarre. So, at the beginning of December 2022, a farm in Germany was robbed. German police say that 60 containers full of a valuable substance was stolen. The substance in question? Bull sperm. <laughs> Someone stole 16 containers full of bull sperm which German authorities warned must be kept super cold and with liquid nitrogen in order to prevent it from spoiling. So they were very eager to get it back. I didn't find whether or not they caught the person. I would assume that they took that sperm and ran. 
did they know about the nitro that they needed to have it refrigerated with? Probably not. I don't know. I have no idea, to be honest. Germany's kind of cold. Not liquid nitrogen cold, but... <laughs> I feel like that supply got spoiled. Yeah, I was going to say. I mean, it might have if that person doesn't have proper transportation, but like a lot of those areas of expertise getting bull semen, you know, and, and giving them out to heifers and stuff like that, people who own other heifers, is, a, is big money. It's a big money business. So if he knew what he was doing by stealing it, if he was knowing what he was doing by, you know, going to whatever he had got to to steal, you mean you have to know what you're stealing at that point? It's not like, I don't know. It was 60 containers. So, like, I don't know if he did this with a vehicle or. Yeah, no, this has to be a vehicle involved. Probably the person probably knew at least a little of what they were doing because they, they stole enough of it. They stole enough that they want to sit there and make big money from especially if it's from like a prized bull or something like that that's that's buco money if they if they can prove that that's where it's from then yeah can you just um, picture it though like a sperm heist <laughs> all i can think of is those really large containers of milk you know those old school ones that are just big and metal with the two wide handles on the side you clearly need like two people to hold on to with the weird lid on top that's what i think that they're stealing <laughs> right that's what I was tempted to, like, the cream of the crop Florida man story. Ah, dude, I feel like that's like shooting fish in a barrel if you want a weird thing. Florida man is the, is the person to go for it. <laughs> is the one. Florida man is the one. Like a season of Star Trek Discovery, scientists believed mushrooms can talk to each other using a vocabulary of 50 words. Fun guy are often overlooked like back in 1998, the largest known organism on the planet had been discovered. Reportedly, it was four miles large. And what was thought to be multiple fungi were actually all a part of the same whole. It was believed to be about 8,650 years old and found in the Blue Mountains of Oregon. Scientists tested samples in the region, found that they were related as one gigantic organism known as the humongous fungus. It was connected <laughs> to a string of hyphae that was made up of small parts of the singular organism. And it was through those small, varied connections that the gigantic organism was able to thrive. A variety, of course, were studied and found that via a use of electrodes that they had placed at the roots of these plants, that the pulses were not random, but in fact ordered. Like if a single one is under attack, it sends a signal to the rest of the cluster to change, similar to a test that they did with a caterpillar eating one of the four leaf clovers that they had, they found that electrodes happened in the clover to change it elsewhere to make it thicker and more unappealing to other caterpillars. And it did, in fact, happen to draw the caterpillar away from eating the cluster again. All right. So I'm going to be completely obscure for this. This whole teamwork thing with it being all one fungus underneath and being able to react properly and change shit. There is, there is an anime slash softcore porn called Interspecies Reviewer. And in there, the main characters go to visit a brothel made out of, um, that have women that are mushrooms. And apparently it's just a whole colony of them connected them together underneath. And the woman in the front, the, the, the madam, so to speak, will look at you, figure out what you want, and give you the type of mushroom she thinks you'd like. And I think that, like... It's so funny how even though it's, again, a softcore hentai, the Japanese will sit there and put some authenticity in their shit because they never would have associated, like, mushrooms actually doing some shit like that. 
And like, who puts that scientific type of shit in your anime slash hentai? While like, I feel like that's just just awesome detail to work into into your work. And I didn't even realize that like that was a real thing that they mushrooms do. And I think that's kind of dope and funny at the same time. I would just like to comment that one of my favorite mushroom related things ever is this meme. I could try to quote it, but it's really funny. I should send it to you. I'll send it to you later. But anyway, it's someone holding a gun to a mushroom. And it says, tell me the name of God, you fungal piece of shit. The mushroom responds, can you feel your heart burning? Can you feel the struggle within? The fear within me is beyond anything your soul can make. You cannot kill me in a way that matters. And then the person's with the gun screaming, I'm not fucking scared of you. And it's just such a absurd thing it's hilarious it's like i don't know it's really funny to me i just thoroughly am amused by it i'll send it to you it's just the mushrooms saying you cannot kill me in a way that matters hilarious i will sit there and say though i'm not really surprised that um they would have added that little factoid i feel like a lot of shows especially like when we watch a lot of american animation they obviously add real facts into the things that we're watching so it just shows the level that the story writers you know actually try to build this obviously fictitious story but they add facts to substantiate it so i'm not surprised really i've learned random ass things from random ass places like from games anime cartoons like i've learned actual facts from things like that the more you know Right. But going back to the original topic, I think that's absolutely awesome that we have found a way to realize that there's more than just human communication going on as well with other animals and stuff like that. Like there was only a recent like within the last I want to say I want to guess within the last 10, 15 years that, you know, they had realized spiders keep little other smaller animals as pets to help clear out shit in their webs and other shit like that. Like there's a species of spider that has a little tree frog as a pet. And the tree frog will eat its scraps and keep like diseases and stuff away from the from the front of the web, and the spider keeps it safe. It's like a weird, cohesive, you know, uh, odd couple <laughs> type of thing. There's you know new freaking colonies of ants being found all the time, and and finding out that animals communicate is it, it brings the world on a bigger level while also shrinking it at the same time. To find out that mushroom itself can sit there and communicate is is funky. And it sits there and has its, you know, its own own self-defenses. Some mushrooms grow with those defenses. Like there's, there's this weird red mushroom that's it like opens up with like that looks like tentacles and it's all like red and gooey and shit. And that one has its own scent defense to it. There's even a mushroom that like bleeds out red, but it's clearly not real blood, but it's it has little holes and stuff on it. The little blots of red goo come out of it and it keeps animals from eating it like but being super reactive to it, its own surroundings as opposed to just growing that way, I think is awesome. Having its own self-defense mechanism and, and being able to communicate in, you said, like 50 words? Yeah. Yeah, that's mind-boggling to me. And that's fucking dope. Yeah, especially like plants in particular. Because with slightly more complex organisms and life forms, you expect it like mammals and stuff you expect some sort of communication just not on the level that we communicate but plants is especially interesting because they don't have like any kind of vocal cord you know what i mean the concept of language that isn't using sound is still 
It sounds very sci-fi. <laughs> yeah, dude, it's it's going to be the happening. It had, that that has a Wahlberg in it, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. What's that? What? No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and now I'm talking to a cheese plant. I'm still talking to it. <laughs> Plans reproduce asexually, and then they have the wherewithal to grow on the sides of buildings and kind of vine their way through. Like they find a way to kind of take back their environment in a way. Mm-hmm. So them kind of communicating with each other, especially seeing as they take our carbon dioxide as their energy to grow. If we talk to them, it adds to their health. So it's like all these things that plants can do. It's really a wonder how it works. Yeah, because it's just such a different form of life than we're used to. Yeah. Just absolutely dope. Now, to piggyback off of uh, what Peline was kind of going at was that, um, of course, the lead researcher wanted to take the outlandish step of applying the methodology of the language of fungi being derived from electrical spiking activity, which is similar to how our brains work for communication. So he applied it. And they considered the length of words and vowels in English. And the average length of a vowel sound in the English language per their report is 0.3 seconds. And this peculiar data made for a fascinating read as the length of a word in the fungi language is incredibly similar to the length of a word in human languages. The average English word length is 4.8 spikes the unit of measurement used in the study. And the spikes in one of the fungi used was 4.7. But that's them speaking in a manner similar to human speech. It makes me think of, I want to say, what was it? The most recent one with the newest Spock. Specifically, I was getting in the one that has the new Uhura too. Yeah, that's strange new words. Hammer! I miss you, Hammer! (laughs) More new Hammer! One of the episodes they were trying to interact with this new life form and trying to, since Uhura is a translator, trying their best to convert their light wave signals into something understandable. And the concept, granted, of course, it's a science fiction show, but still the mindset of trying your best to apply anything into a form, like any decoding things, like taking the number of blips or what do you call them, spikes, mm-hmm. and applying it to our language and seeing where it best aligns. Things like that is really interesting. Right, because because the language itself, learning a language isn't just, when you have to translate language, it's just literally a decoding type of thing. You have to figure out what part of your, what the what the word is saying, first of all, and how you would translate that to your end, let alone how to spell it. Like it's It's layers and it's fucking awesome. It was this one episode because they were, maybe it might have bled into two episodes, but specifically they were trying to figure out how to communicate to this species, this clearly advanced species that only spoken like blips of light and sequences of light. I think it was song. It was by song. Translate it through song, but first they needed to figure out how to communicate that they were an intelligent species and they used math as a way to indicate like we are intelligent we aren't something like we're not like a bug for you to like squash that's supposed to be something where they communicated via emotions yeah they were very emotionally receptive there was like colors involved too i remember they ended up like kind of sequencing it to like a rhythm Mm -hmm. 
because I think at one point they had to communicate how many blips there were because it, it was the exact amount of like life forms on their shit or something. So they were aware that they were aware of them and that they were smart and they were trying to like, they almost were running out of time because it seemed like whatever this presence was doing could kill them if they didn't communicate to them fast enough. Like, Hey, we're intelligent life form and we need you to stop. And they were about to be disinterested. In were they about to be suffocated or something? Something like that. I think that one with the big ass cloud in it that they were all stuck in, right? It was mostly Uhura and Spock trying to encourage her when she was kind of like doubting herself a bit. I mean, she the, the whole season was about her doubting her place and stuff. Yeah, but anyway. I mean, that was a real episode where but, she like stepped up to the plate yeah. and whatnot. I will sit there and say that communication it, through lights and sounds have always been a thing because you remember the opening moments of Independence Day where that helicopter tried to. <laughs> yeah. with the visual cues using the big flash lights and things like that. It, that. I mean, it's always trying to communicate using the most natural tools at our disposal to try to communicate with any new species in any way that we feel is the easiest type of language to talk to them in. Uh, what is it? Uh, encounters of the first kind or third kind? Third kind. They try to do it like that? Yeah. There's that one. Then there was um, Alien versus Monsters, mm. where um, is it Stephen Colbert's character who was the president? He was doing he's doing music and like da 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 da, da trying to communicate with them by the DJ. For my uh, last weird story or kind of funny story of 2022, this was back in this past Thanksgiving for those who celebrated. One town in Massachusetts had a bit of a role reversal. Residents of Woolburn, Mass had been harassed by five thugs who go by the names of Gladys, Esther, Monica, Patricia, and their gang leader, Kevin. <laughs> Not Kevin. These bullies have been accused of chasing the locals around their yards, trapping them in their cars, and even trying to pop their tires. The identities, the true identities of these villains, they're wild turkeys. I fucking knew it. I fucking knew it. I said, ain't, ain't a group of old bitches trying to get gang up on nobody and they have a leader named Kevin. Like, nah, nah, these gotta be turkeys or geese. Geese are the neighborhood that was feeding and encouraged, but turkeys are way more believable. <laughs> <laughs> the turkeys would frequent the yards of the residents and reportedly wouldn't let, even let them out of their own homes. Like, people were afraid to come outside. Because they would get chased around by these turkeys. Yo, imagine the like Uber Eats and the poor like Grubhub drivers. <laughs> imagine ordering food and trying to suffer somebody else through that shit. Yeah, because it's funny. It was right around Thanksgiving. The turkey expert specifically said that the takeover is probably likely due to like the turkeys getting too habituated with humans via people feeding them when they shouldn't be. Or even bird feeders that weren't meant for turkeys. The turkeys are running that neighborhood, Joe. Oh, that's so funny. They were what they wanted their protection money. Y'all wasn't paying up. <laughs> the wildlife expert actually recommended like trying to stand your ground against them. If you run for them, then they view you as being subdominant. Oh. And <laughs> you can't turn your back on them. You'll be weak. Don't run. You have to ready to fight, but it's illegal to like hurt turkeys in Massachusetts, isn't it? Yeah, you just need a. He recommends using something like an umbrella to like open up at them, scare them, look bigger, 
Because otherwise they'll view you as a sub. It's hilarious. If you ain't running for me, I'm running at you. <laughs> at that point, they ain't an umbrella bigger than me. <laughs> I look big as it is. If I, my raw doesn't get you going, we fighting. We boxing right now. I got to put some cover on my hands because I don't want to get pecked at like that. I get like those reinforced like um, MMA gloves because they got that little extra pattern on the top. Hopefully a beak won't go through that too quick. But <laughs> get my boxing out. I'll knock a turkey out. I don't care. It'd be funny if you chase them around your yard with a jar of gravy. <laughs> Next is Am I the Asshole? And I have a couple set up for y'all. It is daughter-in-law, aunt, or wife. Pick one. Aunt. All right. Am I the asshole for telling my aunt she has no authority over me? So I, 18 male, came back home from college from the holidays. Yesterday, my parents hosted a family dinner with all my aunts, uncles, parents, and cousins. So the issue started when dinner was served. I got my food and sat down at the table. The way the tables were layered out was that there was a table in the dining room for the adults and a table in the kitchen was for the kids. I obviously sat at the adult table. Then one of my aunts came up behind me and barked, what do you think you're doing? I responded confused with eating my food. She then said, you're not allowed to sit here. Get to the kids table right now. I laughed at that and said, I just have as much right of being here as you do. You have no authority over me. Stop trying to start drama and sit your ass down to eat your food. She then bursted into a rant, and I just rolled my eyes, ignoring her, and continued eating my food while talking to my parents and other relatives. After the dinner, my parents asked me to apologize. Apparently, she's filled the aunt's group chat with passive-aggressive remarks about me, as well as calling me disrespectful and claiming I grew up with no discipline. I do not feel the need to apologize, but if I'm the asshole, I will. Edit, I should probably clarify the sitting situation. I set the table specifically so there was enough room for all the adults with me included at the table as well as the kids with spare seat for them in case people decided to move around so what i mean the idea of a kid's table unless there's like really a lot of kids and like the tables like a high table or something right i've always thought it kind of like you know not necessarily a thing i care about especially if it's just gonna be like some random older people just trying to make a big deal of it right to a degree, maybe they could have toned down the response a little bit, like not necessarily cussed at them if they literally did in fact cuss at them. But no, I'm not going to move. I just want to eat my food. Leave me alone. I feel like every family has some person that gets invited to a function that makes a big deal out of something that's not necessarily a big deal. For sure, that too. Like there's always that one person. It's usually probably like that aunt, you know? <laughs> it is always an aunt. But yeah, and like, especially if it's something that's otherwise fine and you're trying to start with me, I wouldn't take well to that. Some of these things end up being cultural. Like I know in some cultures, it's like very strict about who's considered an adult. So when that person is from an older generation, that's what's stuck in their head. And that's one of those generational things that they're trying to pass on, but it's also degrading at the same time to a person who's clearly an adult. Yeah, especially since, like, I know to a degree, acknowledging tradition and being mindful of it is something people should be. However, a tradition, especially if it's one that's kind of outdated, doesn't mean I have to abide by it, nor are you allowed to enforce it upon me. Especially since they said they just came from college. You can fuck all the way off. I'm sitting and I'm eating. And especially how big you're trying to blow it up. If, like, it's something that doesn't have to be that big, I won't move. Right. And it didn't seem like the way that the person, the OP wrote it, it didn't seem like any of the family members had any issue with it. Just that one aunt 
everyone was just like waiting for him to handle it and just grubbing and minding their own fucking business. Like, listen, leave me alone. Right. I said, go, auntie, go find drama somewhere else. Don't you get enough in that daytime TV show shit? Go be somewhere. If you're trying to really make, like, have it out with me, I'll make you feel bad. It's always that one. <laughs> now, in this corner of the universe, now that it is 2023, perhaps the most exciting, which are updates to the United States public domain as each year intellectual properties become open to the public. This year, the very final Conan Doyle work of the casebook of Sherlock Holmes has entered the public domain, which now means that anybody like Netflix with Onola Holmes can take those characters, those stories, and adapt them any way they want in any medium they want. But unemotionally, right? Because wasn't that a problem with the, the Enola Holmes thing? Well, one, the lawsuit that the Holmes, well, the Doyle estate, rather, had against Enola Holmes was the depiction of Sherlock by Henry Cavill, simply because he's supposed to be a particular way through any medium, but he was making him, I think, a lot warmer than he was supposed to be and such. But also the use of the property the names, and creating new characters without, I guess, discussing it with the estate in detail. So there was a lot of little intricacies there. But now that the final work of his estate is out in the public domain, now anywhere like LibriVox and other audio sites can now put out Sherlock Holmes stories free of charge. I didn't know Henry Cavill was in that, let alone as Sherlock. <laughs> I don't like Henry Cavill. I don't think he's attractive. He's only, the only thing he's ever been attractive in his girl of Rivia. Fuck Henry Cavill. Recently, two fans of Anna de Armas, who had sued Universal for a movie that was coming out, that they saw the trailer that featured her, but then when they went to go see the movie, she was cut from the film. I saw that. So the judge was able to rule that even though Universal was uh, seeking to throw out the lawsuit, they argued that movie trailers are entitled to broad protection under the First Amendment. As the studio's lawyers had argued that, you know, it's an artistic expressive work that tells a three-minute story conveying the theme of the film and should be considered a non-commercial speech, so to speak. But the judge had rejected that argument, finding that a trailer is commercial speech and is subject to California's false advertising law and the state's unfair competition law. Get it. The judge ruled that Universal is correct. The trailers involve some creativity and editorial discretion, but the creativity does not outweigh the commercial nature of a trailer. At its core, a trailer is an advertisement designed to sell a movie by providing consumers with a preview of the movie. Right. Like, how the fuck are you get away with that as an advertisement for the movie? That's literally what a trailer is created for. What do you mean it's not commercial? Of course it's commercial. The fuck? Now, Universal's lawyers continue to argue that movie trailers have long included clips that do not appear in the finished product, as they cited Jurassic Park had a trailer comprised entirely of footage that wasn't even in the movie. They also argued that classifying trailers as quote-unquote commercial speech could open the door to a parade of lawsuits from dissatisfied filmgoers who could make a subjective claim that a film did not live up to the expectations created by the trailer. I mean, though... Video games have been held to that before, though, saying that a trailer was false advertising because it depicted the game as being something entirely different. So if a game can be held to that standard, it doesn't feel out of bounds to hold a movie to that because regardless, you're paying for something. And if they advertised it as something else, but not the thing you wanted to spend your money on, then they should be held responsible because it's still 
kind of tricking you into spending money. Hint, hint, Marvel Studios with that Avengers trailer for Infinity War. Right. Dude, the whole, you know, it puts a smile on my face. People were waiting to hear that shit, and they didn't get to hear it. It was very disappointing. And there were cutout spots. Hulk wasn't even the Hulk. He was in the Hulk Buster suit in the finished product. Just, yeah. I mean, like the whole thing with The Last of Us Part Two, where they literally tried their best, because people kind of figured it out. Granted, I know you want to subvert some of it, so that way your whole story is not in the open. But the fact that they blatantly edited in droll into scenes that he was not in in the game at all right just to try to like throw people off the scent that pissed off a lot of people and the ending don't forget the ending of that shit made people mad how you let that bitch go i'd have ended her i'd have drowned that bitch and held till the bubbles stopped till the bubbles stopped when i do revenge i do it right it's right oh yeah no all right let's continue <laughs> silent hill fans already got the huge showcase that we wanted from the previous year about all these new projects that are in the woodwork. Now there are supposed to be three more unannounced projects that weren't part of that showcase that have yet to be rated or even announced. Well, one of them having been rated is a short message and the synopsis is also leaked out. So I'm intrigued about what the other possible two projects that have been unannounced by Konami will be. And will we see any of that this year? But seeing as the one that got rated last week and even getting a rating means that the game is actually closer to release than what most people would realize after not having it for what's that bring the total to seven seven silent hell things yes oh yeah they're machine gunning these motherfuckers out in terms of games because there's silent hill 2's remake there's silent hill f there's silent hill ascension there's silent hill downfall and then these three unannounced titles under the three unannounced titles because Konami hasn't officially announced it yet, so therefore it's still unannounced. And then a movie. It's the movie sequel that's being made also. One of them I have like no interest in is the one that seems to be a live servicey or streaming type of title, and that's what Ascension's supposed to be. It might have an Ascension curse on it because God of War Ascension didn't do really wasn't really popular with the God of War fans. I still played it, of course, because I'm loyal to my Kratos all day. He's my God of War, but it wasn't really well received, and it's going to be hard to have like a game labeled Ascension and have it like not have that stink hang over it. Especially since you, you as a like a the biggest Silent Hill fan I know, is sitting there like, eh. yeah, I'm not excited for that, and I wouldn't be looking forward to it anyway. But other than that, the standalone story ones, because this one was rated for the PS5 and Xbox Series, so this one is a full-on game for the still unconfirmed, unannounced, the short message that got rated, right. Marvel Studios is reportedly developing two more Halloween specials on the back of the success of Werewolf by Night, and it will be focusing on two more new characters that they have yet to announce. New, new, or like just new to the Marvel? New to the MCU. Oh. Aubrey Plaza is rumored to be playing Morgan Le Fay and Agatha Coven of Chaos. I don't know Morgan Le Fay's character, so I'm going to hold off, but I do kind of like Aubrey Plaza, so... We know that Morgan Le Fay is supposed to be like one of the other old and powerful witches in the Marvel. Is she pro Agatha? No. But is she be pro Scarlet Witch though, or is she just a whole separate like fuck everybody? I run magic. No. But then again, you know, so many continuities. It depends on which one they're going to adapt. But yeah. Sure enough. Iron Fist is 
rumored to appear in Daredevil Born Again. I did read that. Same actor. Just Iron Fist. They didn't mention anything else. And it's a rumor, so we don't know. I mean, I don't I didn't really see much of that show, but I don't think I like that actor. He seemed boring. Yeah, I don't he's so plain faced to me. Sam Rockwell will be rumored to return as Justin Hammer in Armor Wars. Yes. <laughs> I love him. He's such a great actor. Justin Hammer is for those who aren't aware, he is the executive like CEO slash owner of Hammer Industries. Yeah, it's Hammer Industries. Essentially, Tony Stark, just not Tony. Right. I was hoping that they'd bring back, he'd bring him back as Justin Hammer. I liked that whole scene. And then he was talking Tony and Tony was like, oh my God, this is the worst possible. And he was just cheesing it out. I just love it. He just went with it. I love it. And he wanted to come up with a project that would outdo Tony Stark because obviously everybody wants to be the best in whatever their competition is. And so he breaking Whiplash out of prison, or helping him, rather, because he was under the impression that he was going to help make something for him that was better than what Tony had come up with. So he dealt with a lot of BS coming from Whiplash, even though he wasn't aware that Whiplash had ulterior motives. Yeah, and the the showroom where he was showing Whiplash when he first, again, helped him escape with SpaceX, the big old room with all the bots and stuff he was walking him through. They had borrowed SpaceX for that, for those shots. I would save money in a way, you know what I mean? Hell yeah. And Elon Musk was just like, put me in your movie. He's like, yeah, I'll talk, I'll, I'll look like I'm talking to you for a couple seconds before we eat before we eat dinner. And that's exactly what he did. Let me borrow this spot. I'll put you in my movie. And apparently, I think Robert Downey Jr. spent time with Elon Musk to try to get the maniacal rich man <laughs> frame of mind going. Spent like 24 hours with him, I think, or some shit like that. Dane Whitman will become Black Knight in Blade. It is rumored. The guy at the end of Eternals? Yeah, the one that was dating uh, Cersei. I'd say the most interesting part of Eternals, I think, was the same thing that seemingly other people liked, was the relationship between the fast female and the, like, mind-controlling dude. Yeah. That's because it was just smoldering and just hinting while being like, you know they fuck. (laughs) Like, and it... Yeah, dude, it was the whole mystique hovering around them. You could feel the tension when they were there, and they played it very well with just being close to each other and the looks between each other is very well done. I loved that. I love that steamy shit. It's just like, oof, y'all get a room? Can I watch? (laughs) That was fine for me. I would just sit there and say that um, hearing Blade's voice in the post credit scene, that was it. Min, I just want the movies to be good. I want the new Blade movie to be good because the original Blade movies are some of my favorite movies ever. Like, it was just really cool fucking vampire movies. They were so cool. Vampire comic book movie. Right. Very chic. Very, like, it was very for the times as well. You had the techno music going in. Dude, the whole shower room with the vampire blood vibe. That was fucking totally raver. And I'd be like, you know, I'd be down to be like in there if I was a vampire, not a victim. I'd be down to be in there as a vampire. Because that looked like a dope, fun partying scene, not for nothing. Yeah, like the vampire nightclub is like one of my favorite settings. It was just all very, very stylish and cool. So I have my doubts on whether or not Disney's Blade will be able to have that essence of like cool and sexy, you know? Blade 2 is the best of that trilogy. They underutilized Donnie Yen in it, though, which hurts my feelings because he could have been so cool in it. 
All right, so when that shit came out, I didn't know that that was Donnie and I didn't know who Donnie Yen was at the time. So when I saw it, I was like, oh, he's hot. That's it. It's just, he's hot. And then it, when I watched the movie, I was like, holy shit, he's really fucking dope. <laughs> he, is, he is fucking sick. Like, just absolutely just awesome and really, really hot. This made him way hotter. <laughs> to be fair, it was early on into his introduction over here in the West, so... They can be forgiven to an extent, but I would imagine that seeing as Del Toro was the one that was behind Blade 2, that he, of all people, would have been aware of who he had in the role. You know what I mean? Since martial arts was such a heavy focus on the way the action was shot, and if you can have like lots of background people doing these really cool stunt work and like choreography, someone who was kind of like a side character, but still more in the front than the background person could have been utilized so well but i feel like right he got very little screen time yeah and got killed very quickly right and let's be 100 wesley snipes had an ego at the time i don't know if he still has one but he had an ego at the time and there was no way he was gonna let this motherfucker outshine him in his movie and donnie yen would have outshone him absolutely would have outshown him surpassed him blinded him like the sun if he was his skills were properly shown in this movie so like of course that let, let's be 100 he probably squashed that down they probably had a scene with donnie and like let's see what you really got and he's like no 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 <laughs> my movie my movie so but i like the premise of that one too because it's it's something feeding on the vampires it's it's the prey getting preyed on and it gives it's there's a level of fear that should be involved in that because they've never been in that situation it's always been each other killing each other off in that world or hunters killing them off and they looked really gross in an effective way too i really dug that yeah just the fucking face coming apart and shit i dug that shit we had to feed differently than the average suckhead you know what i mean True, but that's like a whole face. That's face eater type shit with the lower half, with the top half of your face still attached to shit. That's a whole lot of skin. <laughs> it was so good. Silver Surfer is rumored to appear in the Fantastic Four reboot. <sighs> that's braided sign on the Fantastic Four reboot. Hopefully, it'll be an established one. Like we're 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 going in with them already having the powers because we it's going to be a Spider Man thing all over again. Which would be better, because, you know, I think people would like to avoid origin stories anyway, if they can. But adding the Silver Surfer, when that was something that was plugged in before, should not be something. They need a different bad guy. He's just rumored to make an appearance, which makes it sound like it would be smaller. Like, maybe a hint to uh, the next film in the like franchise, credits, probably. Probably. Something, probably. Something like that. And they need to not include Doom again. There's they, The Fantastic Four dealt with other shit. Now, the new Avengers main team is rumored to be... Sam Wilson's Captain America, Shuri's Black Panther, Ant-Man, Captain Marvel, She-Hulk, and Shang-Chi. I can dig it. So, assumedly, if that's correct, that will be the main Avengers group that will probably go into the Kang Dynasty before they get reinforcements in the other characters we've already been introduced to in the Disney Plus shows and the other one, other characters who already exist that we haven't mentioned in Secret Wars. None of them can fly, huh? <laughs> Marvel. That's about it. Oh, Captain Marvel? Mm-hmm. And soon, so will, um, what's her face? Captain Marvel's friend. The one who went in with Wanda Maxima. Rambo? Yes, her. But right now, she's not listed as part of this. And it depends. Captain Marvel is very, you know, vague. And we know that Photon has carried the Captain Marvel name in 
the comics recently enough. So, but I'm going to assume that it's still going to be Carol Danvers. So Photon and even Miss Marvel won't be a factor until possibly later. Oh, she will be. Will Falcon keep his wings? It'd be a new Falcon. Yeah, it's Falcon America or whatever it is now because he... As Captain America, would he keep his wings? I mean, it's been a big part of his thing. But there, we do know that they've already introduced a new Falcon in the Falcon and the Winter Soldier with the, I think, the Ramirez character because he was told that he could keep his wings. And we know that in comic canon, he does become the new Falcon. Oh, yeah. So he's there. Again, another piece of the Young Avengers puzzle. Right. He's not that young, though. They'll be younger than the core team. So Evan Peters is rumored to return as Quicksilver in Deadpool 3. Nice. Loki season two will reportedly introduce a new concept called Time Loom, will be the source of TVA's power. They can use the energy from the time stream and absorb it, (laughs) which would make sense that if Loki season two comes after Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, which it should because that movie opens next month then Kang would have a good resource of power to draw from to travel around the multiverse. Yep. I would like to see Menace, because they made him kind of eccentric in Loki. And I know the trailer... That was a different variant, just to keep him Yeah, up. yeah. And I know the trailers hint for Quantumania, hint at some Menace, but I'm waiting to actually see it, especially if he's going to be the big bad. I believe that now me and I have discussed this before, but I believe that the Kang that we will see in Quantumania is the one, is the main one. As in the the Kang, the one, the big bad that we're... So he's the threat. Yes. I can't wait. I want to see what Kang is doing this, how they interpret, how they just squish it all together with this movie. Can't wait. Ant-Man's look in the trailer seemed like he almost seemed to convey that he could feel the threat that this Kang looms. Not to mention, Janet Van Dyne seemed to be very hesitant about giving information and needing to travel incognito in the city when they're in the quantum realm. So she clearly, I believe, has had some sort of run-in or knowledge of Kang, which is why things were different for her and why she feared about going back in. Right, she was hiding out like she owed people money. I will say, granted, Janet withstanding, that Ant-Man specifically being kind of like threatened by him doesn't necessarily convey like the threat to me like that because even though Ant-Man is a fine character and a likable hero and all, he is not like the strongest one. No. So if you saw a more powerful hero kind of... Yeah, that would definitely convey it. Better. Yeah, that but would convey I'm it. That saying that's why I'm waiting for like more menace. I want to see it myself. What I'm sitting there saying is that Ant Man conveying that look of feeling the threat of Kang when he was in a one on one meeting with him tells me that, remember, he just, however many years later, of course, came out of seeing the biggest threat to the universe in Thanos. But yet, if he has. Some he had reservation of, that, of yeah yeah bums is in there saying though he also still has backup presumably with the Avengers when they get out of the quantum realm so he should still he have he needs to get out he though. would have to have <laughs> well he's got the two foremost experts of the quantum realm with him you know what I mean so really it's not a matter of finding a way out of the quantum realm it's sitting there having to escape this threat while in it and I feel like seeing as he has experience 
seeing Thanos in action and what he's done and how they almost lost again. It's just a matter of him looking like he had that look of fear while Kang was talking to him kind of conveys to me that he feels that there's something about this man that is off and we need to get the hell out of here. So do you think this one then should be less comedic than the previous ones? Well, I've been waiting for in this entirety of the phase that has happened. And I think phase four technically concluded with Black Panther's release back in November and that Ant-Man and the Wasp uh, starts off phase five, that I've been waiting for them to get back to the serious tone of what the multiversal threat is going to be. And I haven't felt it. And I feel like Quantumania is positioned to be that film, especially seeing as the most recent interview that Peyton Reed gave, who's the director of the film, he had told Marvel Studios straight up before he started filming. He's like, listen, I don't want to be Avengers 2.5. I want to be the Avengers movie. I don't want to be the palate cleanser in between the big stories. I want to be the one that pushes and introduces the new story. And I feel with that in mind, this one we're supposed to take serious as the first major project. Now, this is speculation, unless you've heard something along the lines. But a good way, in my mind, to set the tone if you want to introduce this new character that people might not be super familiar with Mm -hmm. as being a serious threat, you take the likable, funny guy character and you get him fucked up. I feel like with the seriousness of the tone, it should absolutely be serious and start pushing forward and be like, you know, however dark they want to be because I'm all for it. But Paul Rudd is a great actor when you let him shine with great lines. And he does great comedic scenes. I don't feel like you can make his character too serious. He's been building his personality off of the lovable dad who's also serious when he needs to be and can handle business. But he still keeps his quirkiness. You need to keep that character good. because Keep that character that way because Paul Rudd pulls it off so well. So do we think... That, of course, this will definitely be the one to set the tone for the threat for the rest of this this phase. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, of course. Do we think they would go so far as to have a fatality in order to help deepen that tone? I don't see it in this movie so far. And I haven't read anything to suggest that that would be the case. But I feel like he's definitely going to feel the threat because he has essentially what is his whole family in the quantum realm in this film. Yeah. Cassie, we know, is 18 years old at the time that she takes her mantle, they confirmed. So we've seen him be the doting dad in the other two films. So we know that his first and foremost thing will be to get her out of the quantum realm and out of this threat. She definitely has a mind of her own. She built the damn thing that gets him trapped in there. I will say, though I do like him in his comedic role, I do think that's one hell of a way to like convey the seriousness and just how dire the situation is by having the character who's typically you know always cracking a joke even regardless of the situation not be able to anymore because he'd be under stress with his whole family there and a threat they've already done that enough with both Rhodey and with thor thor is still dealing with his ptsd even at endgame when he sat there and, you know, got his hammer and he he transformed himself. He was still fucking waist deep in depression, but he was focusing it for the fight. You could tell that, like, 
his magic didn't just magic away the PTSD. He's still suffering through it. He's still going through it even after because of everything that's happened. That's something that weighs on you. And and I feel like they've done with the whole he's lost enough people. You know what I'm saying? That he's gotten the character who was, you know, initially, give me another smash a glass and yeah, let's get drinking. He went from that and that it was his story arc. And I feel like we don't have to do that with every character that comes around. Tony had to deal with it when he lost Peter in his arms. Rhodey, when he sat there and got paralyzed, he had to deal with diminished version of himself, which is a huge, you know, hit to both your self-esteem and just the hit you with depression as well. So I feel like having characters lose more people just to make them more, you know, tougher, more war-torn and making them more darker shouldn't be with every character because then you're just copying and pasting and moving between the characters. I feel like Phase 4 has been kind of like that. Phase 4 has been underwhelming for Marvel Studios, surprisingly. Right. So I feel like cut and pasting thing, I would expect we're probably going to see more of that. Well, with Wanda's grief having been the fucking topic of two major things so far, I think it's fucking dumb. I think the madness thing with Doctor Strange, it took away all the growth she had from the TV show. All the growth that she had learned at the end about other people suffering for herself and having to learn that her kids aren't really there and she's created them herself. The movie just took all that growth away from her and just made, again, her depression the problem for everybody. And again, you know, a character has lost someone. And we turn that person who was just someone looking for guidance because her and her family, she lost her family, even if it was just her and her brother. Then she loses a brother. Then she gets with somebody and loses the kid that she creates after losing that person. Like, she has lost a lot. And, again, it's taken the one character lost, moving it to another. One character lost, moving it to another. It's like they're all, they're doing that with all of them. Leave Ant-Man alone. They're going to kill off some characters before the end of the next two Avenger films. Somebody's going down. Of course. And it's, then it's going to be major. Um, whether or not they do that with every character... We'll see, especially seeing as we know that in 2023, there's only three Marvel movies coming out, as well as only a certain number of the Disney Plus shows. We don't know which ones yet, but there's only three films that will come out this year. So whatever they're going to do has to get expanded upon and hit home in whatever projects they have coming out this year and presumably next, because... Both Avengers films come out in 2025 at, I think, six months apart, just like uh, Infinity War and Endgame did. So we'll have to see. Lastly, since we were talking about Doctor Doom earlier, he is rumored to be featuring at an appearance at the climax of the Thunderbolts film as the leader of Latveria. Now, Fallout that happens there at the climax of the film, mainly due to Red Hulk's actions. Ah. is what's going to thrust that character into the MCU. But again, rumor. I'll be completely honest. I've never really known much about the Doctor Doom character, and I have was actually genuinely surprised when I found out that he was a, a bigger deal than I thought he was, like having his own kingdom and shit. Yeah, I'm not a huge Doom fan because he's never been a huge bad guy in my eyes. That's the thing, too. Like, I never really took him as a serious thing, but apparently he's more serious than I thought. I mean, technically, he should be. He was the main antagonist to what has long been considered Marvel's first family that tells you he's been around a while. And he's had his hands in a lot of stories, as I'm aware. Anyways, 
that wraps up this week's episode. Tune in next time as we discuss more topics. You can listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and other podcast platforms. If you like the show, please follow us on your preferred platform. You can leave us questions and comments or shoot us an email at fandomsculturemurder at gmail.com. Until next time. Adios. Bye, y'all. Stay safe. Thank you for listening.